Colleagues, welcome back to the office. It's Steve and welcome to the CPE Today podcast. We're going to get started with our podcast presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I'd like to share some insight on how you can receive credit for watching today's presentation. There are two options. You can either watch live as it's being recorded through Zoom, more on that here in a moment, or you could be watching or listening on demand wherever you happen to receive content. We distribute our show through YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, our website, and many other places. Now, if you happen to be watching on demand on your own schedule, after watching or listening to today's class, head on over to cpetoday.com and locate today's course page. Uh, you can find our course code by looking at the footer of the presentation to see the link presented there. And it will also be mentioned throughout the presentation on multiple occasions. After com purchasing today's class, you'll complete a short five question quiz on what was discussed in today's presentation. And upon passing that your certificate for your CPE credits will be automatically generated and available for download. In addition to your purchase, you can also download copies of today's presentation, learning materials. You can ask the presenter questions and more. Now, if you happen to be watching live as it's being recorded through Zoom, your attendance will be confirmed through attendance prompts, which will occur every 12 to 20 minutes and approximately four per hour. They'll pop up automatically. And when a prompt comes up, please choose a response to confirm your attendance. It doesn't actually matter what you choose as long as you choose something as your response will confirm your engagement with our presentation. Attendance prompts might not be announced, so please keep an eye out for them. Now, as long as you've com uh, completed at least 75% of the attendance prompts, you will receive full credit for our presentation. Your completion certificate will be delivered to you by email within two business days of the event. You can always visit cpetoday.com if you have any questions or issues with your certificate. After our presentation today, we'd love to know what you think. Uh, there will be a course evaluation that will automatically pop up. It should take you anywhere from one to three minutes to complete, and your feedback will be used to help us produce better content in the future. Now, if you have any questions or comments throughout the presentation, we'd love to know what they are. Please use the chat or the Q&A functionality to let us know what you think, or if you have any questions on the materials that are being presented. Also, please feel free to share your experience, knowledge, and insight with the class. If you have any technical issues, you can also use that functionality to ask for help. You can always find great content at cpetoday.com. We have a variety of self-study and live courses from all topics, accounting, audit, personal development, Excel, QuickBooks, and more, you name it. Check out cpetoday.com. And the CPE Today podcast is made available Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can always find great content being discussed in that podcast every single week. If you happen to be a new user, listener, viewer of the CPE Today podcast, thank you so much for coming. Welcome. We're ecstatic and happy to have you. How about you get a free credit on us? Use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to get a free credit for today's class. We're going to go ahead and get started with our presentation here in the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy our presentation. Good morning, colleagues. Welcome to today's class. My name is Steve Yas. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We're going to get started here with K2, securing your data and for practical tools for protecting your information. But before we do, I just want to make sure that you are connected. You can hear me and you can see the screen. If so, if you wouldn't mind opening up that chat pod, shoot me a message. Let me know that you are connected and that you are good to go.
All right. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Nancy, Travis, James, William, Paul, Kay, Andrew, Christine, Laura. Good morning to you all. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy lives for being here and coming to learn about how we can improve our safety of our organizational data and our personal data and hopefully how we can overall improve our compliance and reduce our risk and, you know, maybe learn a bunch of new things in between. Well, today's class is going to be focused on security and trying to give you as much practical information as I possibly can with respect to things that I know can help reduce your risk with respect to uh, data breaches, improve overall compliance with respect to uh, major compliance frameworks, for example, with CCPA or with uh, GDPR and other things like that, as well as uh, hopefully give you some best practices that you can share with your colleagues, your family members, and other people to help um, make them safer online. Uh, the reality is in 2021, uh, data breaches and identity theft and all the nasty stuff that really is kind of out there is a fact of life. And really, uh, it's up to us to take a very proactive approach to prevent it from happening. You know, it's this unfortunate circumstance that, you know, I wish it was different, but that's the reality of the world that we live in. And it's really on each individual person to take care of it for their personal life, as well as um, the company to ensure that everybody on their team is a strong link. You know, for organizations, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Um, and understanding where and how certain um, data breaches have occurred and, and how certain attacks could occur, for example, with ransomware, malware, stuff like that, uh, could be very helpful in terms of promoting overall security. So today we are going to be looking at a bunch of different uh, aspects of security, trying to give you as much practical advice as we can. We're going to start off with taking a look at some attacks uh, recently. So we'll look at some of the hacks and data breaches that have occurred relevant to financial professionals, including uh, firms getting a breached and attacked, as well as uh, maybe some software vendors as well. We'll talk about Intuit's recent credential stuffing attack, where they themselves did not experience a data breach, uh, but rather they're guilty of having poor systems design and allowing their customers to use insecure passwords. We're going to talk about specific types of attacks. Uh, we're going to talk, for example, about ransomware, about malware, what it is, how it functions, what we need to know to protect ourselves and our organizations. Lots of best practices in around there. We'll talk about inside of those best practices, uh, things like the characteristics of good passwords, long and strong passwords. Uh, often there are only line of defense. Uh, so how can we maximize our potential uh, safety with using good passwords for our systems? We'll also talk about some additional kind of more advanced security topics, including uh, data loss prevention, which is a security technique that can be really effective with preventing uh, any sort of data leaving your systems. In fact, if you're an Office 365 subscriber, it's built right into the tool uh, for you to be able to use. We'll finish with my five common sense tips for security and improving compliance um, for your organization. Uh, these are going to be things such as controlling access to data, restricting rights on your computers to only people that work for your organization, and only giving them the rights that are necessary, encryption, and more. Now, this is just our starting off point. We can take the presentation any number of directions, and I'd love to do that. If you wouldn't mind, open up that chat box, shoot me a message, let me know what you're interested in learning today, and I'd be happy to do my best to include it in our presentation. So let me know what you're thinking about and what you'd like to see covered in today's class. 
Now, for those of you who have not had a class with me before, my name is Steve Yoss. I am a K2 instructor. I've been with K2 about five years now, and I tend to focus on teaching on our security classes and uh, anything really kind of involving software development and uh, accounting systems as well. Uh, my time is split evenly between teaching events like this for wonderful folks like yourself, and the other half of my time is split uh, with my business, which is Devmatics, a software development company uh, based here in Los Angeles, California, but we work all over the uh, world. We build all sorts of cool stuff. Um, you know, we tend to solve business problems with technology and, uh, you know, helping people find new ways to utilize technology in their organization. So we build mobile apps, enterprise solutions, and, you know, uh, inventory solutions, and really kind of every, everything in between. So if you ever have any questions regarding uh, software or anything like that, more than happy to speak with you, more than happy to point you at least in the right direction. Now, something new in the K2 universe, K2 launched a podcast earlier this year. It's called the CPE Today Podcast. Uh, podcast is broadcast twice a week. Uh, on Monday, I'm sorry, on Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. And the podcast focuses on accounting technology and business. It's giving financial professionals all the information they need to know to be relevant and up to date with their career. Uh, we discuss reviews of software applications. We talk about in-depth on training topics, including Excel, Power BI, and more. Lots of tutorials and walkthroughs. And often in the podcast, we're able to go much further in-depth on topics than we can get inside of a class. You know, and for a class, for the most part, we try to cover a lot to give you as much information as possible. But uh, podcasts will go really in-depth on particular topics. You can listen for free on the platform of your choosing, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Uh, you can even watch live on YouTube and Facebook for free, Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. So if you like accounting technology and like take K2 courses, by all means, please feel free to check it out. Okay, a couple of quick housekeeping announcements, then we're going to go ahead and get into our class for today. Um, this is a NASBA qualified webinar. As such, there will be attendance prompts to confirm your engagement with the presentation. They're going to come about every 12 to 20 minutes or so, so please be on the lookout for them. When the response comes up, please go ahead and choose a response to confirm your attendance. Let's go ahead and do a sample one right now just to ensure you know what you're looking for. So you should see a pop-up on your side letting you know that uh, there is a polling question. Now, a couple things with respect to these polling questions. Um, when they come up, select a response. It doesn't matter what response you actually choose. Just choose something. Uh, doesn't matter what. This confirms your attendance, lets us know that you're here, and that ensures that you will get your full credit for today's class. Uh, two things I'll let you know. Uh, the questions that we're going to ask will be related to the course and content. However, I'm not going to be pacing necessarily the questions with the course content itself. Uh, unfortunately, there's too many questions and in order to be able to get through the presentation, it's really difficult to be able to try to time them correctly in order to be able to get the number of responses. Um, so please just go ahead and choose something. If it's something we haven't covered up to this point, don't feel too bad about it. Additionally, I will not be announcing when those prompts come up. Again, it's not that I don't want uh, uh, to let you know when they're coming. It's just there's so much material to get through and it can be quite uh, disruptive to change uh, topics every couple of minutes. So please uh, keep an eye out for them. I'm going to keep those polling questions up as long as I possibly can. So they will be up for several minutes between. So don't feel like you need to do it in the first 10 seconds. They'll be up for several minutes. Okay. 
So I could see that 35 out of 37 people have responded to those polling questions. So you might want to, uh, if you haven't responded yet, uh, to consider go ahead and, uh, and doing so. Okay. Now, with respect to your certificate for completion today, as long as you've completed 75% of your polling questions, you will receive full credit for today's class. Uh, K2 will be issuing your uh, CPE certificate. It could also be your state society, depending on which society you're coming from. Uh, no matter what, it's going to come through email. So keep an eye out for that. If you have any issues with your certificate, by all means, please feel free to reach out to K2. Uh, they'd be more than happy to help. After our webinar today, there will be a brief evaluation. We'd love to know what you think about today's course and content. It's very helpful with respect to uh, creating future courses as well as understanding what people like and maybe what can be improved upon. It takes two minutes. I'll talk more about it at the end of our presentation today, but we'd love your feedback and thoughts. I read every one of them as well as the folks at K2 and, and your local state society as well. Please stay engaged with our presentation for today. If you have any questions, by all means, please feel free to let me know. Um, I'm more than happy to explain things more than once, show another example. Um, you know, if you need something specific for your organization, hey, how do I do this for a marketing company? Hey, what would this look like for a manufacturing firm or something like that? Just tell me what you need and I'll be sure to try to include it in our presentation. If you have any experience with any of the things that we're going to discuss too, or something has happened to you as we're talking through some of these uh, uh, attack types, by all means, please feel free to share your experience. I could see your chat messages here in real time and uh, I'd be happy to include that into our presentation and if there's anything i can do for you to help improve your day by all means please feel free to let me know i'm more than happy to do so okay last announcement with respect to our schedule for today this is a four hour webinar uh, we are going to take a single break right in the middle of our of our uh, webinar for today uh, it'll be at 10 a.m central it'll be a 20 minute break and then our class will conclude today at uh, 12 p.m. Central Time. So mark your clocks accordingly. Uh, we'll be taking a break in about an hour and a half or so, and then um, <clears throat> and then we will take our uh, uh, we will end this class promptly at 12 p.m. So let's take a look at some of the things that people have requested for our class for today. Okay, Nancy writes in, sharing documents and data securely with clients. Absolutely, we can talk about that. And that's a great topic to consider for your organization. So many firms run into issues due to poor sharing uh, etiquette. You know, they will share something, for example, on Dropbox, and they share it forever. They don't actually unshare the document. And then they leave this public URL out that works, you know, two, three years down the road. Um, so yeah, we can talk a little bit about portals and, and some best practices with it, but just to give you a sneak peek here, I would say the best practice I could possibly tell you is if you're going to share something, put an expiration date on it, put it behind a password of some sort, just don't publicly list something. Um, and if you can use a client portal because it'll manage all of that for you. In fact, my favorite client portal for client, uh, and firm operations is called Lisco L I S C I O check it out. It's a really cool solution. Andrew writes in, I'd love to hear more about ransomware today. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully this will be the only time you hear about ransomware and you're not hearing about it any other time, uh, because man, is it really pervasive and nasty these days, but Hopefully you'll leave here with enough knowledge that uh, you'll at least be able to identify it and prevent it from happening to you. Glenn writes in, computer security to prevent entry by bad guys. Ooh, there's bad hombres out there and certainly whatever we can do to reduce our risk and exposure. 
Uh, Jeffrey writes in, I'm an Intuit Pro Series client. Help keep me safe. Absolutely, Jeffrey. Whatever I can do for you, I'm more than happy to do so. All righty, folks. Well, thank you. And as your questions come in, uh, please, by all means, feel free to chat them over. Um, please use a chat pod over the Q&A pod if possible. I'll see both, but the uh, chat pod's a little bit easier for me to respond. And, and if you have any questions, by all means, let me know. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into our presentation for today. I don't have a firm statistic to back that up, but I can infer it based off of the quantity of data breaches that are reported in subsequent years, you know, that we find out through, uh, through, uh, you know, news articles and things of this nature, but most data breaches don't go reported. Uh, only the really big ones actually do. And if you think about, you know, again, there's 50 different sets of laws and regulations, depending, you know, on where you live here in the United States, something that constitutes a data breach in California might not be a constant, uh, might not be a data breach in Kentucky or Florida or somewhere else like that. But there are some resources you should be familiar with that could be helpful for identifying a data breach and when it occurred. And a good one is this website, haveibeenpwned.com. Funny name, admittedly. Okay, very funny name. But it is fantastic with respect to um, kind of doing security research and understanding where um, your risk exposure might be. And it's also really good for showing for the data breaches we do know about where your data might have been compromised, okay? So check this out. I, I've gone ahead and uh, I've shared the link with you here. And if you come over here to the Home tab under this email or phone, you can put in an email here and it will check to see if that email has been exposed in a data breach. So as an example here, let's say it is uh, uh, johnnydemo at gmail.com, okay? Well, thankfully that one isn't. And that's what ideally you're gonna hope for. But reality is you're probably not gonna get a clean bill of health here. You know, let's just pick something a little bit more generic, johnny at gmail.com. Well, certainly because of how generic that email it is, it's been exposed. And in this case, 140 times in 140 different data breaches. And if we scroll down, we can actually see which data breaches Johnny's account was compromised in. And so if we scroll down, we'll see probably some familiar company names. A good example of this one right here, here's one from Adobe. In October of 2013, 153 million Adobe accounts were breached. This will give you some information about what was breached, how it was breached, and then also what information was taken, email address, passwords, usernames, so on and so forth. So if I was a bad guy, okay, and I know that this occurred, maybe somewhere in the dark web I could find the data for this breach, I'd buy it. And then I would go around and I would go to, you know, Kaiser, I'd go to Amazon, I'd go to, uh, you know, irs.gov, I'd go to these different sites, and I'd see if Steve happened to been using Johnny happened to been using the same password, you know, and if so, if it let me in, well, guess what, now I've got access to that account, you know, if we continue to scroll down here, you know, we can see plenty of other organizations that have experienced this. And some of these are very recent, you know, some in, for example, November of 2020, here's one clear voice surveys, you know, April, 2021, uh, this happens, uh, quite regularly, you know, and so, uh, different things will be taken at different times, you know, in different types of information. It might be, for example, stuff that you wouldn't necessarily expect, you know, like your employers or your job titles. Well, that can all be useful, for example, for identity theft purposes. So this website is fantastic with respect to kind of tracking this information. It is run by a guy named Troy, um, Troy Smith, I believe. 
I think it's Troy Smith. I can never remember. No, sorry, Troy Hunt, who is a uh, employee of Microsoft and a security researcher, and he's been putting this together for many years now. Uh, and it's just a really, really good tool to consider. Other cool things about this site that you might like: they've got a notification thing, so if uh, a future data breach occurs, they can send you an email saying, "Hey, by the way, you know it's now on this site as well. Your information was exposed in this breach." If you come over here to the domain search, you can do this for your whole company. You know, so if uh, uh, Bob from uh, HR, for example, has his email breached. You as the IT administrator, the owner of the company, can know about it. So we'll talk more about that on a, in a little bit. There's some other tools and things inside of this uh, website that I think are very useful. Now, one of the best ways that you can do this is to reduce your risk and exposure. Always use a separate password for every website you go to. Make it long, make it strong, and varied um, you know, between how you, uh, between every site you go to, you know, as long as you silo your risk to a particular site, uh, you know, for example, if you see Adobe pop up as your, you know, data breach, well, as long as you used a separate password for Adobe and you never use that password anywhere else, you should be okay. Now, a great way to manage that is to use a password management tool, which we'll talk about here later in our presentation. LastPass, KeePass, Dashlane, and more. All these are great resources for generating good, long, and strong passwords. So, Definitely, when you get a moment, check out this website right here, and it's a great way to uh, keep track of your different password, uh, to keep track of your different accounts and see whether or not it's been exposed in a data breach. Now, for our next section, Let's go ahead and expose data breaches a little bit further. And let's go ahead and talk about some of the findings from the recent data breach investigations report uh, that is put together by Verizon. Uh, Verizon, the big telco provider worldwide these days, uh, puts together, in my opinion, probably the best overall data breach and security report that's out there. It's called the Data Breach Investigations Report. It comes out annually. You can get it for free from Verizon's website. And it comes in two flavors. It comes in the full report, which is a incredible 500-page report or longer. And it also comes in a, um, a smaller executive summary report. But this report is probably the best and most comprehensive Verizon in conjunction with over 200 different organizations around the world put this together. And it is a great reflective piece about where data breaches have occurred in the last year. Now, from here... You can download the whole report. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to point out about this particular report is that they also will display by industry, which is pretty cool as well. Uh, so you can register, for example, or you just click the view only button here and you can view the actual report itself. But the key takeaways, the facts, the statistics that come from this are really kind of incredible. And if you come over here to the data breach by uh, industry, you can get some really fantastic information related to the various industries that you might be a part of, construction, mining, professional services, real estate, so on and so forth. And overall, it's a really good, uh, really, really, really good report uh, to consider uh, using. And they've got specific recommendations based off of every industry too. So, hey, what do you need to be most concerned with with respect to an education institution? What do you need to know, for example, as it relates to a professional service firm or a bank? 
you know so let's take a look at some of the major statistics that were presented in this year's uh, most recent report and try to see if there's some things and some commonalities that we might want to uh, consider and what we can infer and learn from this report so if we look at who are behind data breaches, well, about 70% of the time they're being perpetrated by outsiders, um, but about a third of the time they also involved internal actors. Now, you might do some quick math here and you might see that these numbers add up to more than 100%. Well, and that's pretty normal, you know, because often for very large scale data breaches, it will involve collusion with people inside or outside of an organization. But we should be primarily focused with having a good perimeter defense because more often than not, when a data breach does occur, it's going to be somebody outside of the company doing it. Only 2% involved partners, only 5% involved multiple parties, 40% were from organized criminal groups. Okay. Just as a quick side note on this, I want you to remember the laws and regulations of the United States are not worldwide. You know, they stop, start and stop at the borders of our country. And there are things that are certainly illegal here in the United States that are not illegal outside of the country. A good example of this uh, would be in places like China, as well as in places like um, Russia and other, other countries similar to this. Uh, it's not necessarily illegal to hack a business not located in that country. Uh, you know, if you're a company based in Russia or China, you know, there's not only not really a lot of laws related to this, but there's not really any enforcement or any way for us to be able to go and stop that from occurring. A good example of this is the most recent SolarWinds attack that occurred. SolarWinds is a massive IT provider that provides all sorts of security and back-end and network software uh, for pretty much every business um, in the Fortune 500. And they experienced a very large-scale data breach that ultimately uh, resulted in the loss of, uh, that ultimately resulted in their customers getting a data breach as well. Uh, this is probably one of the worst data breaches that have occurred in recent, uh, in recent uh, years. Okay, there are plenty of articles and things that you can read about this. Here happens to be one. Okay, let me go ahead and drop this in if you want to check this out. And this kind of goes through and talking about this, but this data breach, you know, started in December and it took several months for it to, to kind of um, come to fruition for us to be able to know about it. Uh, and it started with one client noticing something weird occurring in their network. And then ultimately this entire breach timeline was exposed. Uh, but with respect to this, I mean, this attack most likely initiated in Russia, you know, and it's going to be very difficult to ever bring anybody to justice when something like that occurs. Uh, so in other countries, you know, like in, in Russia, as in China, there could be criminal groups that are behind this that are essentially controlling a lot of the uh, um, deployment of this, as well as it could be sponsored by the nation state itself. Uh, so just be aware that with respect to data breaches, you know, if it occurs outside the United States, there's really not much we can do. And it can cause a huge issue for companies. And there's no way that you're ever going to get restitution for that.
So actors identified as nation state or state affiliated were involved in 23% of data breaches. And I, I mean, that is just so disconcerting to know that there are governments around the world that not only uh, don't stop this, but actively participate inside of those data breaches. Now, who are the victims? Well, 16% of these were public sectors, 15% involved healthcare organizations, 10% were in the financial industry, and almost half were small business. Now, public sector entities are honestly an easy target. Um, you know, it's in, in some respect like shooting fish in a barrel. Uh, government agencies just frankly can't um, recruit qualified IT professionals in the same way that private business can. And there's been plenty of examples uh, of entities being breached just because their technology was very old and they didn't have qualified staff operating it. I'm reminded of the data breach that occurred maybe about three years ago with the Office of Personnel Management in the United States federal government. And the breach, again, most likely was perpetrated by a nation state. Uh, it strongly suspected China was behind that particular attack. And in that particular attack, when the administrator for the Office of Personnel Management was brought in a congressional hearing, uh, they spoke of, hey, you know, we don't have the ability to recruit and hire people to be able to work in our organization to actually take care of this for us. And most of our systems are very old and legacy and don't even support encryption. You know, so public sectors are continuously at risk here. Uh, now, good news is with financial industries, you know, there's a lot at skin in the game. As such, you know, financial industries, for the most part, have taken massive efforts to protect their consumer data. Uh, in fact, if you're a bank, you're required to go through things like uh, uh, penetration testing on a quarterly basis uh, to ensure that your systems and accounts um, are secured. Now, the next bit of this is almost half of this involves small business. And small business will always be a uh, target for these attackers for a couple of different reasons. First is going to be attitude. I've spoken with many, many, many people in small business over the course of my career that take the position of, I'm a small business. Who would ever want to hurt me? What do I have that people would want to steal? Well, the reality is, I mean, you're an easy target. You're low-hanging fruit. I mean, you don't have the resources of an Apple or an IBM or most other organizations, you know, that uh, are publicly traded. You know, you probably just have a couple of computers, maybe a, a server that you got in 2012 that are operating in your office that you haven't thought about or updated in years, you know. And these people come along, they see it, you know, and it's, it's a quick target. It's a quick win for them, you know. So... Don't hide behind the fact that you're small. If anything, that makes you a bigger target overall. You're not going to have the resources to be able to prevent your, an attack like this occurring in the same way that an Apple or an IBM or somebody else will be. What I will tell you is that if you invest just this amount of time and effort with respect to making it just a little bit more complicated for someone to be able to breach your organization, the more often than not just move on to the next company. Uh, for these people, it's really a numbers game more than anything else. So if you just make it a little bit more complicated, you know, you're going to be outside the scope of the time that they're willing to invest. Now, the exception to that would be, you know, if you're a, you know, decent sized uh, or notable company, you know, or a celebrity or something like that, then yeah, you know, they're, they're invested in wanting to breach you. But for the most part, they'll just move on to the next company. Now, what actions are being used? Well, about half of these involve some sort of active hacking, 
33% involved some sort of social engineering, about a third involved some sort of malware. Well, let's just uncompack, let's just, you know, unpack this a little bit. About half involves some sort of hacking, which could be some sort of exploitation of a server infrastructure to be able to get in, probably using that Shodan site that I showed you. Okay, about a third involves some sort of malware. That malware probably was delivered by, um, by some sort of email or a drive-by attack or maybe even a USB thumb drive, you know. I always cringe, for example, when a client brings me a thumb drive because my first thought is, well, where else was this thumb drive plugged into and who else potentially used this drive? Uh, so I generally don't recommend using them. And if you are going to use them, make sure it's yours and that you have control over it and that you bought it directly brand new. Uh, don't recommend ever sharing them because they are a great way to be able to, to transfer malware, especially to air-gapped resources. Okay, and a third of these involve social engineering attacks. Um, social engineering attacks are very common. It's a lot easier to hack the person than to hack the technology. Windows is fundamentally secure, especially if it's up to date. You, I mean, you can be manipulated. You can be exploited. Um, and if you have people in your organization that don't take security seriously, well, they could be the ones that ultimately result in a data breach occurring for your organization. So, you know, you need to do training with your staff with respect to helping them understand what they can click on, what they can't click on. If somebody calls up and asking for client data that uh, you verify who they are before uh, complying and giving that information over the phone, certainly don't share passwords. Things of this nature can all be very helpful. Now, some takeaways with respect to this report from the most recent one. C-level is 12 times more likely to be targeted than your average Joe, which makes sense. C-level folks, directors, they tend to have higher access, higher privileged access. So the bigger you are, the bigger target you're going to be. From my experience as well, more often than not, it's going to happen with a owner of a business, an executive of a business, than it's going to happen from middle management or the entry-level people. Entry-level people shouldn't have a lot of access to begin with, and they're usually just pretty much focused on doing their jobs. Um, I've gotten into many an argument with many a business owner about, no, I'm sorry, you have to have a password on your computer. You have to have a password on your phone. Well, I'm really busy. I can't do this. Well, I don't have the time to remember a password or a six-character password for my phone. And I mean, at that point, I mean, it's a non-starter for at least my business. I mean, if the company, my client is not going to take security practices seriously, it's a risk for me. It's a risk professionally, uh, both in terms of who are they going to come back and blame? Well, they're going to come back and blame me. They're going to say, why didn't you tell us that this was a risk? And you know, it's the same thing where you like in a public accounting practice, when you tell your client, like they're putting themselves into a very precarious tax situation, you know, and then they complain when they get a letter, they don't want to pay the fees with respect to getting it resolved. Well, you put yourself in that situation, you know? So if you have somebody you trust that works in technology for your organization, and they tell you security recommendations, my best advice is to listen to them and, and to do it. Okay. Cloud attacks are increasing you know, but if you're using good service providers, like let's say Office 365, Microsoft 365, uh, you're using AWS, other things like that, most of those companies are pretty much on it and they're going to increase their security game at the same rate. Um, where I get a little bit nervous is when people choose to use their own providers or, you know, Joe's computer on Main Street. There's definite safety in numbers in terms of wanting to use a bigger organization with respect to uh, your overall security. 
I would tell you, you're going to get a lot better performance out of, uh, you know, a bigger company than you are going to get out of like main street computer company. Okay. So be aware cloud-based stuff is incre increasing, uh, compromising websites and web applications now exceed physical compromises. Meaning, you know, if your company has a website and you accept payments, you're more likely to get your website hacked than it would be like your physical point of sale system, which is a shift. Uh, prior for companies that point of sale, like that was always your number one way of getting attacked and breached. Uh, now, you know, you need to be very careful with software that you use in your company. You know, if you're utilizing, for example, a service like WordPress, you know, which is a very commonly used website application system. Well, WordPress, one of its bigger, biggest features and biggest functionality is the fact that it's extendable. You can use additional plugins and tools. There's tons of like e-commerce things that you can use with WordPress. Now, in and of itself, not bad, not wrong, not insecure, but where a lot of people run into issues, they don't keep these WordPress sites up to date and they get hacked left, right, and center. They also start using plugins from tons of different third parties and they have just, you know, so many holes in their system that, uh, I mean, it looks like Swiss cheese. So if you're going to use any source of e-commerce, absolutely make sure it's up to date and, and properly secured. Ransomware is going strong, accounting for 24% of all incidents. I do not see the trend of ransomware ever going away. It is so profitable. It is billions and billions and billions of dollars. Chip and pin technologies are improving. That's great. HR departments are taking IT security seriously and utilizing a variety of IT security tools to train and educate people. However, even though with all this training, clicking links and emails still tends to be a problem. Now, what can we take away from some of these statistics? Let's uh, kind of give some macro information about what might be helpful here. What I would tell you is that we're all targets. You know, if you are a business leader in a big business, a small business, whether you work in accounting or you work in sales or anywhere else, you are a target. And if your organization doesn't have good IT infrastructure and security and policies and best practices and network segmentation, well, guess what? I mean, you might know what you're doing, but does every person in your company know what they're doing? And can you rely upon everybody doing it consistently? We all have good days. We all have bad days. And um, it only takes, you have to be right 100% of the time. The bad guy only has to be right once. So everybody faces these particular risks. Your risks are varied depending on what type of business you're in, what critical factors you have, including what, uh, what type of data you're working with, what type of technology you have, your level of, of training, um, you know, and depending on your individual, the nature of your organization, you could be a pretty big target and not even really kind of know about it. Yes, the internet does create opportunities for data breaches, for espionage, theft, things of this, but you know what? These risks have always been here. The big difference is, is that these attacks can occur from anywhere in the world. They can attack any time. They could take large quantities of data and um, it could happen in a blink of an eye, you know, for the most part. Um, in the old ways, you know, let's take something like Edward Snowden and his uh, uh, theft of data from the uh, National Security Agency. Okay. Well, he stole over 200,000 documents as a component of his job. Okay. What I want to point out with respect to Snowden, and I'm not here to discuss the efficacy of what he did and maybe or maybe it was not in the interest of, of the greater good. But I will say is that he did violate a, um, you know, a fiduciary responsibility that he had to his employer. Um, but he didn't breach anything. I mean, he was a 
contractor. He had perfectly normal access to the systems. He took it all out on a thumb drive. There was no data breach other than the fact that he stole the data involved. There's no hacking. He just literally walked out with a thumb drive full of data. Could he have stolen data in 1976? Absolutely. But he wouldn't have gotten 200,000 documents, or at least not as quickly as he did. Somebody would have noticed, you know, Eddie standing in front of the photocopier for six months photocopying all those things. When a data breach occurs now, you could have an entire company's worth of data on a thumb drive, and you could walk out in the matter of just minutes. So some of the big risks that we are facing today that we're going to explore throughout this presentation are going to be things like ransomware, social engineering, the risk of, for example, unencrypted data. If data is unencrypted and it's stolen, you know, game over. You can do whatever you want with it. If it's encrypted, more often than not, you're fine. But man, just don't put yourself into that situation. Uh, poor authentication controls. Letting users, for example, use bad passwords. Poor patch management on computing devices. Not keeping our computers up to date. Exposure through other people that we work with, okay? Our trading partners, for that matter. You might be secure, but can you say the same for every single company, every single client that's interacting and that has access to your systems? Probably not. This idea of bring your own device, Internet of Things, okay? We have so many more devices in 2020 than we did just even a few years ago, Um it's a cat and mouse game. It's a whack-a-mole game trying to keep everything up to date. So what is the fallout when these risks manifest? What do you need to be concerned with? Well, at the very minimum, you know, having a big, let's say, ransomware attack could cause downtime and could cause lost productivity inside of your organization. Uh, I've seen this occur, unfortunately, with uh, with clients. You know, somebody clicks a link, infects their computers with malware, and it eventually spreads because, you know, again, they're running like a Windows Server 2008 in their company, and that malware knows it and, and is able to easily spread through the file sharing system of the company. Well, it could be very disturbing. I mean, when you, you know, have a whole, you know, floor of people, 100, 200 people just kind of sitting around twiddling their thumbs that can't get online to work. Because frankly, for knowledge-based workers, there's not an industry today that's not using a computer in a material way. I mean, and that's not going to change ever. Security breaches uh, could result in a violation of some sort of fiduciary responsibility, as we talked about with some of these CPA firms. I mean, that could be a huge uh, issue, you know, with respect to uh, dealing with your clients and what that could mean. Um, and it could result in, for example, issues with regulatory compliance, fines, fees, investigations, and in some instances, even criminal liability for willful negligence. At a very minimum, it'll be reputation loss. I can tell you that um, I personally think about it when I go to a company like Target or Home Depot. I know what they did. I know what occurred. If I could choose not to work with Equifax or have my data with Equifax, you betcha I would. You know, but um, I know I'm not. I know I'm probably the exception to the rule. But I know there's other people like me, and I like knowing that companies take security seriously. And I tend to patron those companies um, that do take my data seriously. 
Now, for these different attacks, how are they getting in? By far the biggest is going to be email. Email is a fact of life. It is our way of being able to communicate uh, online with folks. However, it is a fundamentally insecure technology uh, that can result in a data breach inside your company. Well, how could it occur? Through attached files and links, okay? Um, uh, you could download, for example, an infected PDF document that has some sort of malware inside of it. You could download an infected Microsoft Excel workbook with a macro inside of it. In both those instances, those files would more often than not come from a client uh, or it could come from a social engineering thing where you think you're uh, speaking with a client, but in reality, you know, it's somebody using an email address very similar to the client that's sending you some sort of malware. It can come through downloads from websites that you're on. It could also be through direct attacks to your cloud resources. You know, using that site Shodan, for example, I'm able to determine and I'm able to find specific companies and locations and things of this nature. Uh, it could also be, for example, fraud committed by your employees or some sort of external uh, providers. Uh, there's plenty of ways that that can occur. Here's some additional resources you might want to consider um, when you're, you know, trying to figure out what your specific risk and exposure is and if you have any sort of data out there already. already. Uh, the reality is you do. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, rip that Band-Aid off. Uh, all of us, myself included, you know, we have data out there. Uh, if you have a mortgage, if you had a credit card, guess what? Your data was stolen in the Equifax data breach. If you had an Adobe account, you know, as I showed you a minute ago, more often than not, your, your email was exposed. If you had a LinkedIn account, guess what? They got breached a couple years ago. Your data was exposed there. So the idea that you're not going to have some sort of data breach in your life is unrealistic. However, I will tell you, you can reduce your risk and exposure by um, utilizing good security practices as best you can. There's some things that are outside of your control. I can't force a service provider that I'm doing work with to encrypt their database. You know, I have to take the assumption that nobody is doing their job. Nobody is doing this correctly. And as such, we need to implement as best security practices as we can for our own sake. Now, if I do this through always utilizing a separate password that's long and strong, if I silo my data as much as I possibly can, I try to choose best service providers, I can reduce my risk to a more acceptable level. Now, I will also mention, out of all of this, the biggest, weakest link is people. It's flesh and bones. Humans are more often than not going to be the result of their own undoing. Uh, and if we look at a lot of these large-scale data breaches that have occurred, almost exclusively they are done through some sort of social engineering and they're due through some sort of manipulation. There is uh, um, plenty of examples of where companies didn't have a technology failure, uh, but rather had a large-scale data breach that occurred due to the result of somebody not doing something that they should have been doing. Okay. I would tell you the overall best thing you could possibly do is to train your employees. And by training your employees, you're going to teach them what they should and should not do and give them the resources necessary uh, to be able to understand what they should click on, what they should not click on, how to authenticate. Um, you know, you could, for example, teach them, you know, the different attack vectors that might occur so that they hopefully can recognize that and prevent those issues from popping up. If I were to tell you to do one thing with your staff, it would be to invest in IT training. 
Um, helping educate everybody uniformly from the CEO to the intern can cause a great uh, improvement in the organizational security uh, across everybody. You know, technology will only get you so far. I mean, there have been plenty of instances where I'm honestly impressed with how people have been able to get around, you know, for example, like let's say the web filtering, you know, that we'll put in place for a company. Uh, and the reality is, I mean, they'll always find a way around it. But if we teach them why they shouldn't go around the security appliances, why they shouldn't disable their malware solution, or why they should always update, hopefully they'll make better decisions and take it seriously inside their company. Now, I want to show you a really good resource, and it's a K2 favorite. It's one of my favorite resources, which is the SANS Institute. Okay. The SANS Institute is a security policy and training company. Uh, they've got tons of great resources and tons of great uh, things that you could do to help learn and improve the security of your company. Uh, they've got conferences, they've got webinars, they've got uh, books, they've got all these different things that you can choose to, to implement inside your company uh, to help build a, let's just call it a culture of security inside the company overall. Okay. Now, besides the actual training resources that are provided by the SANS Institute, they also offer a number of free resources that could be really cool as well and really, really useful for, um, you know, kind of putting in place inside your company. And one of those things are going to be their policy uh, examples that they provide. So if you are looking, for example, to bring policy into your company and to bring in some resources to help educate your staff on what they can and cannot do, SANS is a great way to consider it. Head on over to SANS.org. And from SANS.org, on the right side of the website, about the, maybe a quarter of the way down, you'll see this link that says free resources. If we click this free resources link, Okay. They've got a ton of really just free stuff that you might want to choose to implement. Again, webcasts, white papers, their blog is really good around security. And they've also got these templates that are really good. If you'll see right here on the right-hand side, you'll see this security policy templates. If we click that little guy right there, you will come to a website that has a ton of great security policy templates. A question that usually gets asked, like, Steve, I want to hold people accountable. I want to make sure that we're doing things the right way inside of our company, but I don't know where to begin. Well, it begins by having good corporate policy and having good uh, um, training with your people. You know, So from the Science Institute here, we could see there are a number of different policies that you could choose to implement as a component of your employee handbook. You know, For example, the acceptable use policy, the antivirus guidelines, the clean desk policy. If we scroll through here, they've got policies for just about everything, you know, passwords, response planning, um, extranet policy, all different types of stuff. And you can filter down to the things that are going to be most important for you. Let's go ahead over here and take a look at this security policy for servers. Now, these policies are available in both PDF as well as in doc format. Let's look at the PDF, but just realize you can download a Microsoft Word if you wanted to. Now, the way these policies work, they have an overview, they have a purpose, the scope, but the meat of it right down here is in section four of the policy, okay? So it lays down standardization for what you should be doing for your companies. All internal servers deployed at company name. Well, this would be where you would do a find and replace and put your company name in place here. Um, you know, they're essentially responsible for system administration. There has to be approved configuration. Operational groups need a monitor for compliance, 
And if we continue to go down here, it'll reference, for example, certain configuration. You know, for example, operating systems should be in accordance with those set forth by the InfoSec guidelines, services, and applications. Um, not in use must be disabled whenever practical. You know, uh, and it kind of just kind of goes through here, monitoring, so on and so forth. Uh, but these are a really great way to get started with kind of implementing standard policy inside your company. And uh, it's a great way to kind of get everybody on the same page. You know, I think for the most part that people want to do the right thing. They just need to know what that is. And if you don't have policy inside your company, there's really not much that you can do uh, because you're going to have different people working in different ways and doing different things at different times. But if you set standard policy, well, guess what? Now there's a general level of accountability for everybody inside the company. And we all know the direction that this canoe is going and we can all paddle in that same direction. Now, other policies that you might want to consider for the organization. I'm a big fan of the acceptable use policy. This particular policy talks about how company-owned equipment and computing services should be used. It's a really good policy for kind of getting a general, let's say, baseline of acceptability, you know, and that's where you could, for example, hold people accountable for not installing uh, random stuff, non-employee operated software on their computers. There's guidelines for uh, antivirus. Uh, so what type of anti-malware sol solutions are required? A clean desk policy, okay? Clean desk policy is where sensitive critical information about stuff is just not, you know, for example, just out there, you know? If you're, uh, you know, having, you know, for example, external people, whether they be customers or vendors come in, I mean, you might not want to expose stuff about your company uh, just by having it laying out there in the wide open, you know? So something like this can be really good. Uh, data breach response policy, you know, what defines how and when you're going to respond to your data breaches. Another one that I really like is the remote access policy. So let's come down here. The remote access policy talks about what is required by people who might be accessing uh, resources outside of the company. And if we kind of go through here, it's got some great general guidance, you know, saying that, hey, when you're doing this, you have to do it securely. Uh, any unauthorized use is not going to be permitted. And it'll even go through and specify requirements. Like it has to be through something with encryption, like a VPN. You have to use strong passwords or strong passphrases. Authorized users shall protect their login, even from family members. Um, you know, I just think this is a great way of kind of getting everybody on the same page. And for people that aren't security people, this is a great overall way to kind of, again, educate yourself and be able to disseminate this information uh, broadly and get everybody, um, you know, working in the same direction. Thank you so much for attending our presentation and podcast for today. As a reminder, you can check out cpetoday.com for all your continuing education needs. We have courses on every topic you can think of from accounting to audit to ethics and regulation and more. Everything you need to know to stay relevant, current, and up to date with the profession. Again, check out cpetoday.com. If you're a new watcher or listener to the CPE Today podcast, again, we offer you a free course and a free credit for you to try our services. Pick the podcast of your choosing and use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to make that purchase free. If you enjoyed our presentation, please consider connecting with us on social media and let us know what you think. You can find us just about everywhere at CPE Today, uh, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more. 
And please consider subscribing to us wherever you happen to receive your content. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and others. We'd love for you to leave a review and let us know what you think. It helps new listeners and watchers find our course and content. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Thank you for being in the office, and we look forward to seeing you back here soon. Take care.